0: restaurants unstoppable episode 389
1: what we do every day can sometimes be so hard that we just naturally can come up with 10 reasons why it can't happen and those reasons might actually be correct but if you don't entertain those reasons and you only keep your eye on results what you can accomplish is truly unbelievable
0: Who loves doing paperwork? No one. Sorcery is an efficient online AP automated solution for the food service industry and restaurants large and small are using Sorcery to provide a scalable solution to help them create efficiencies and ultimately grow their business while impacting their bottom line to learn more. Head to. Get sorcery.com. That's G E T S O U R C E R Y dot com. And be sure to mention restaurant unstoppable to get your first month free. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Apply online and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef scott crawford chef scott are you feeling
1: unstoppable today my man unstoppable 100 <laughs> percent.
0: yes that is what we like to hear so originally from pennsylvania chef scott crawford got his start in the industry as a server and bartender and would accidentally work his way into the kitchen he built his career working in some of the finest luxury hotels around the nation earning five james beard semi-finalist awards in the process and in 2016 chef crawford opened his First restaurant, Crawford & Sun, located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Obviously, this is just a bird's eye view of who you are, where you're from, what you're all about. I can't wait to hone in and really get to the ground level. But let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with the success quarter mantra. What do you got for us?
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction, <laughs> first of all. Um, so, yeah, the... The fact is, this is a wonderful industry. Everyone knows that, um, who's worked in it. We we can sort of fall into this, right? I was putting myself through college, and, and I was just trying to earn a little extra money. I started as a server. Like many people, I fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with the work that I was doing every day. One day, a cook didn't show up. I happened to be on the floor for a day shift, and they asked me to stay that night and cook. And it would, little did I know, you know, I was trying to help out my, my uh, chef. I didn't know much about cooking at all, but I knew that I could jump in and fill in. At least I was a body. Well, I ended up doing a really great job. I ended up enjoying it. The intensity was amazing. I didn't know that night would change my life, but it did. Mm. It changed everything. And so I think that's another beautiful thing about this industry. Uh, you can make a great career as a front person or you can make a great career as a cook or you can do both. And that's sort of what I chose. I chose to do both. But after that night, it was all about cooking for me yeah um until many many until many many years later so
0: i think i might have uh blindsided you with that first question which was uh we get every interview started with a motivational quote or mantra so is there a mantra in here uh or is there a quote that kind of you share with your team to motivate your team or is something that you live by day to day that you can share with us before we really dive into how you how you got started and how you got to where you are to, where you
1: are today yes so one of the things that we ad- adopted over the years sort of a uh, a mantra is no excuses only results no
0: excuses and only
1: results i love it no excuses only results there was a time when my team actually bought, you know created a sign and we put it in the kitchen it was huge and they had it in there uh, Christmas morning, we came in, it was a hotel, we were open, we came into work and there it was, you know, the sign they'd get, my team had bought me, had this sign made for me for Christmas because we talked about it that much. We talked about it at lineup and it's amazing what we do every day can sometimes be so hard that we just naturally can come up with 10 reasons why it can't happen. And those reasons might actually be correct. But if you don't entertain those reasons and you only keep your eye on results, what you can accomplish is truly unbelievable. Yes.
0: Chef, I love how you dove into that because I was going to ask, like, why are excuses so limiting? And I think you touched on it right there, which is when you focus on excuses, you focus on why it can't happen. Your mind shuts off. You assume that it can't happen. When you focus on creating results, you do whatever you can to make that thing happen. And your mind opens up, it gets creative, it finds solutions, it thinks outside the box. There's so much power in that little saying, no excuses, only results. I love it. Do you want to reflect on what I just shared?
1: It's, it's- amazing when you put it into practice. Yeah. So when you can you actually can catch yourself starting to come up with a reason why you can't do something and you'll catch yourself. My team used we used to hold each other accountable for that. Not in a negative way, but in a way, hey, okay, instead of going down that road right there, that path of talking about why we can't do that, let's I'm only interested in talking about why we can and how we're going to do that, even if it seems impossible because it's not
0: beautiful. I love
1: it. So, that's
0: that's how we get an awesome episode started right there. And I'm so happy. I almost let you slide. And uh, I don't know if you heard me ask for the the, the success core or mantra. And I almost let you slide straight into sharing how you got into the industry. And I'm, I'm happy I tapped on the brakes because that was gold. Yeah, bar. sure was. Uh, so let's bring it back to how you got into the industry. So you started working as a server and bartender and you kind of stumbled into the back of house by accident. So dive into that moment where you developed your passion
1: well working as a serve you know I was putting myself through college so quick money was great and I think that's a beautiful thing about our industry if you want to jump into the industry and make some good money and serve people and put yourself through college great Uh, that's what my intention was when I got into the industry but I started to watch these cooks these chefs in the back I took a real interest. I asked more questions than other servers. I wanted to know the food, uh, better than, than most of the other servers and bartenders. And so I became friends with these guys and, and, uh, next thing, you know, you know, they felt comfortable enough asking me, Hey, we got a guy didn't show up. Can you do some prep and work a station tonight? We need somebody pretty desperately on this station. And I, you know, naturally, with no fear, said, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. So how to rapport with these guys. And, you know, it really, it really did change my life. I really never looked back. I mean, I fulfilled my obligation to the front of the house. But I immediately after that night, I knew I was making a change. And I knew that it was pretty unlikely that I would not finish college. And that might sound <laughs> wow. bad in that moment, but it didn't in that it, after that night, after that shift, So sh- there was a feeling of there's, there's something here. There's not only am I, not only do I have some abilities here that I didn't know I had, but there's a camaraderie and an intensity that I need in my life.
0: So the camaraderie that I found. and the intensity is what you needed in your life. What else was it about this experience, about the skills you didn't know you had in that moment that made you fall in love with this type of work?
1: Well, I can only describe it like this, right? When I was a young kid, I used to hang out in the kitchen with my grandmother and watch her do things with food that I never saw anyone else be able to do. I didn't understand how food just did what she asked it to do or did what she wanted it to do. Not everyone has that ability. I discovered that night that I had that ability. Although very rough around the edges and with lacking knowledge, I could get food to do what I needed it to do naturally. And not everyone can do that. And it was even recognized by the chefs that evening. You've got something here, and it's natural. So So you are able to
0: control food and more food. Did I cut you off? I'm sorry.
1: No, no, I think that's the the best way I can describe it. And I think some people might be able to relate to that. Maybe some can't, but there's no other way that I can really describe recognizing something, some ability that I had that I had seen in my grandmother and some other you know professionals that I had watched but I really had not known that about myself. Hmm. So you that that was one of the reasons why it was such a magical evening and and, uh, and it was hard it was a very hard shift and it was very intense. Which is the other part, you know, that my personality needed intensity And adrenaline. And I could get that every single day without drugs or alcohol (laughs) in the kitchen. Right?
0: I totally get it. Uh, So this kind of freak situation where somebody gets sick, they have you come into the kitchen, you fall in love with it that day. And you, you something you mentioned in in another interview, which I thought was really cool is you developed your, you found your passion because you found something that you were good at. And I feel like this is a great conversation because so much of what we need to be successful in this industry, in this industry is that passion, right? We need that passion. It's what's going to drive us. It's what it's, going to be what gets us out of bed to to you know be able to to show up and just grind every day uh so there's a lesson in here on how to find your passion um just get out there and try different things to live get get experience right would you agree with that statement
1: a hundred percent i was i was very lost at a young age and sort of just out there searching and i also think that you know Applying to to college and just getting in there and learning about the world through college, through travel, through uh, maybe just working different types of jobs in different cities. Unless you know what that passion is, you have to go find it. It's it's highly unlikely that it's going to find you. Um unless you 're putting yourself out there
0: and i don 't even know if it 's necessarily like intentionally trying to find passion, just go live at a young age, especially when you 're young that 's the time in your life where you have no liabilities where you can get out, you can fall on your ass and get back up easily without absolutely you know just get that experience and i I have a kind of a working theory uh, and i 'll bounce it off, you chef. you can tell me what you think of you know, what is passion and i I think passion really is what makes us passionate about something is our ability to be good at it. And then when we are good at it, it's that recognition from other people who say, whoa, you're really good at that. And if, if combined, if you're good at it and you're getting that positive feedback, uh, building your confidence, having something to be proud of, filling your building your, you know, your role in society. Like this is what I belong to be, to do it. And if you like it at the same time, I think that's where passion comes from is, but it starts with just finding that thing you're naturally good at having that recognition, having that positive reinforcement. um, And then if you can also enjoy it, I mean, I think, I think that's the recipe right there for great things. What do you think? I agree. You agree?
1: I agree hundred percent. And then you're really, you know, you're really winning at something when you, when even cooking, for example, when I got up every day and I was cooking for uh, someone else's business and maybe taking direction from them every day, that was satisfying and I was very passionate. But then there's a whole nother level when it becomes yours, 100 you know, percent. You know, it's your restaurant and it's an expression of you uh, to an, a whole nother level. And, you know, that's when you're in you're in a place in life that that you feel like you have purpose and Absolutely. that that's that's another level of living and, and working yep awesome it's not just about you know getting to the next uh tax uh uh Bracket or you know making more money. It's it's definitely a, a higher purpose. Awesome.
0: Uh, so I, I want to make sure we leave time in this interview to talk about what you got going on now with Crawford and Son, how that came to be, what things you got to do to pull it off successfully. But let's paint kind of a picture right now on. Uh, how you got to where you are today, the path you took to get the skills, the knowledge you need to be uh, a successful chef owner. So what do you think the key steps were from way back when you, you know, you you committed to this industry to getting the experience uh, and getting the, the, the knowledge and resources you need to one day open your own restaurant?
1: Sure. It's interesting. I was talking with a young chef about this yesterday because they, Said, you know, I want what you have. How do I get there? Awesome. And I said, well, you know, lots of people take different paths. I'll share with you how I got here. The first thing, when I realized this was what I wanted to do, I, I set out to work for the best people I could possibly work for. Mm. I sold everything and moved to San Francisco, made no money, and was broke. I charged, I used credit cards to eat at the best restaurants in the city. At the time, that was the city to train in. All the best chefs were training there. Uh, You know, culinary mecca. Just an amazing experience, and and that changed my life. So then I had to pay back all these credit cards I racked up dining at restaurants, and I got this experience, and I took it, and I worked for a hotel company called the Ritz Carlton. Right? Everyone's heard of them.
0: Absolutely. Before you go any further, how old were you when you decided to go out and get this experience?
1: I was in my twenties. Okay. Like mid twenties. And I think that's the time. Yeah. Okay. Mid twenties. That That's the time when you can, I agree with what you said earlier. Um, my family called me some, some people in my family thought I was crazy. You know, others thought I was a little irresponsible, but it was just me and I wasn't asking anyone for money. I was paying for it. I paid my way. I always made a good enough salary to pay my rent and eat. Um, but I was making sacrifices and I recognized that what, what the, you know, dividends of those sacrifices would be later. And it was gaining experience at a different level. You know, Alice Waters was, was at that time was uh, a pioneer in, in uh, changing the way we eat through seasonality and, and local food. And, you know, people are having that conversation now on the East coast all these years later. Mm. So I literally—it's so I funny you say running. that.
0: Literally, had a conversation around Alice Water last week with some uh, woman I just recently met, and what she did in like in the seventies—what we're all raving about right now—she was doing in the seventies.
1: So sorry, <laughs> keep going. Well, and people now are, are buying into the local food thing, and but you know, I was learning about it then. I was mm-hmm. learning about it, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, and uh, so it was life changing. You know, what if I hadn't moved there? Would I understand? you know how the treatment of animals how important that is at these farms in Marin County and you know how to build a relationship with a farmer and communicate with them so you can get the most out of your relationships with them and Wait, i learned so all that i can't just ta-
0: they- i can't let you say how to build a relationship with a farmer so you can you know get you know just for the, uh, there's obvious benefits there but how do you Build a relationship with a farmer. Drop some knowledge on us.
1: (laughs) Well, look, it comes with communication and, and building a rapport and being able to have that honest conversation with them. What they grow for the farmer's market sometimes looks very different than what you need as a chef. You'll talk to any farmer and they'll tell you, hey, you know, I grow this stuff for my CSA. I grow this stuff for the market because it sells. People know what it is. And I grow this stuff for chefs. And a lot of this stuff I thought was a byproduct that people didn't even want, and chefs go nuts over it. So you know, I spent years just talking with, just walking and talking with farmers, and they look at me and they say, "You want that?" And I'm pointing at stuff on their farm, and they're saying, "Well, sure, I can cut that. Is it worth money?" So it's just communication, <laughs> good old-fashioned communication. Spending so, time. I think it's. And I learned that a long time ago.
0: So relationships, spending time, communication, and just really genuinely taking an interest in that other person and their work and showing your interest in them. If you want somebody to show an interest in you, show an interest in them. Be curious. Ask questions. Uh, That is the most flattering thing you can do. That's a great way to put it. Awesome. That's Uh, right. Any other advice on developing those relationships?
1: Well, seek them out, you know, and just like you said, show them interest and show them support. Mm. You know, sometimes you have to be creative. They have things they grew and they need to move it and you need to move it and maybe it's not what you want, but you know, it's what they grew. And so you have to, you know, help them out too. So they'll help you. And mm. so you, now you are challenged to be creative with what they've grown. Mm. I've worked with farmers in the South that just the first, the first year they just gave me collard greens. Okay, well, we're gonna come, we're gonna get pretty creative with collard greens then. And, <laughs> uh, We're going to, you know, by the end of it, we were sick of them. But by the second season or the third season that they were growing for us, there was all these things that we had talked about. But we gave them the revenue they needed buying those collard greens to get some of these other things in the ground. So there's a support that has to happen Mm. there, too. You know, and and you have to be creative as a chef to be able to uh, move some of the product that they've grown.
0: So the first thing to build a relationship with anyone, I think, not even just farmers, is uh, take an interest in them, learn about them, get curious about them, but also give, give before you expect to get. You played ball, you bought what they have. That's right. For how many? I don't even know. A year. Supported them, and once you support somebody else, then you know when you give, you get they'll turn around and they'll, they'll right. re- reciprocate awesome stuff right there. I love it.
1: That's right. So Give there's them. some loyalty that, that was created yeah. there.
0: Give before you get awesome. be curious about other people. I love it. That's some great actionable taking some advice we can take away right there. So, uh, you, Absolutely. Also, you also mentioned something I really think we could dive deeper into just to kind of get a sense of w- the weight, what you'll actually have to sacrifice to to get ahead. And you said you moved out west uh, and you went out to San Francisco. You got to sacrifice. So What in that moment were you sacrificing to get this this experience?
1: Well, so I had a pretty comfortable job in South Florida. I had a lot of friends. I had a, a pretty good lifestyle. Uh, As a sous chef, and I was working my way up, and things could have just been great, right? Settle into a nice paying chef job, being around lots of my friends, live in a cool city. Well, I knew there was something. I I knew there was lots more out there to learn. You know, it's South Florida. The food is good, but look, we know the food is better in San Francisco. We know the food is better in New York. So I, I need to go see it. If I'm going to be the best at what I'm going to do here, I need to go see what the best looks like.
0: Mm.
1: I can't just stay in my town and pretend, well, I'm going to be the best here. Mm -hmm. "Ah, Well, what does that even, you know, what is it? What does the best look like? Yeah, You need to go see what the best is. Yeah.
0: And you can still be the best in your town, but take a few years, maybe even as many as five or 10 years to go really surround yourself with the best and then bring it back home and really be the best by leaps and bounds. Uh, Awesome stuff. Absolutely. So, okay, you're getting...
1: That's part of your education. That's an investment in your education. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to go blow a bunch of money living in a big city. That's an investment in your education. And
0: it's not just the knowledge, your education. It's also your network, getting out there, meeting different people from all walks of life. Uh, and really when it's time to go open your own restaurant, and I'm, I don't want to take control of this whole conversation, but your network is your net worth. Like you're going to need to know yeah. people to, to get the funding, to get the people behind you. But I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, so what were, no, other, you're right. <laughs> what were the, some of the other key elements you think contributed to Uh, getting to the point where you'd be able to open your own place?
1: Well, some real solid experience. So, right, that was the San Francisco experience was the eye opener, the aha moment. Mm the Oh, wow. Okay, so there's this out here. I need to take as much from this as I can and understand, you know, dine at restaurants that I really didn't even know how to dine at, you Mm -hmm. know, tasting menus and all this cool stuff they were doing. So I took that all in then it was time for almost like military style training and I found that at the Ritz-Carlton back during those days the Ritz-Carlton and the Four Seasons really fostered a work environment that you could come up through the ranks I mean you could literally start as a dishwasher and end up being a general manager I saw it happen it truly happened and what it took was hard work commitment sacrifice, dedication, all the words that people hear and they say, yeah, yeah, well, it's true. It really was true. and I, Maybe to this day, is true. I joined the Ritz-Carlton, took a pay cut from, you know, came back to the East Coast, from the West Coast, took a pretty significant pay cut to go back to, I think it was a cook position, wasn't sure where that was going to lead. and I was promoted three times in the next 18 months. In the 18-month period, I was promoted three times. I went from a cook to a sous chef to a chef de cuisine to having my own restaurant, all, all in a year and a half. my own restaurant. My own restaurant within their company um, within a year and a half. Wow. What? And okay, keep going. So they sort of made a man out of me, right? I worked my first 100-hour week. Now, that's unheard of now. It wasn't back then. It wasn't unheard of. To work a hundred hour week i mean you don't sleep much but it's what the hotel needed it's what your guests needed at the time and so that's what we did and that was a huge sacrifice and again i was single and without a family and i definitely suggest that people do that during that time so you're not neglecting your family or loved ones but i missed some things too i missed you know weddings and events and things that i should have been at i gave a hundred percent to this company now Was it worth it? People ask me that a lot. Well, it, it launched me. So I would have to say, yes, it was worth it. I mean, I learned so much from that company that I don't know if I could have learned from, from other companies. I made so many relationships. I know people all over the country in every city. I could probably name someone I know that I met during my tenure at the Ritz Carlton. So that was a huge step. And and You said you learned
0: and so, started, so much. Can I just uh, tap on the brakes real quick? Because you said you learned so much. What do you think the biggest lessons you took away from that experience were? The what you wouldn't have learned else, otherwise.
1: Biggest lessons, commitment. You know, what does real commitment look like? Commitment to your craft, to your team, to being the best. You know, what does that you can, cause people can say it. Uh, yeah, I'm committed. You know, I'm, I'm committed. Well, with that company, you really had to show it. You couldn't just say you were committed. You had to show it.
0: Chef, what does For real example, what does real commitment look like? And I think you're about to dive into well, it. Well,
1: let me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you what that looks like. They flew me once to New York city to do the historic reopening of the Ritz Carlton central park funny about a month ago I was walking by there with my 10 year old son and I said son yeah I opened that hotel I pointed at it he was in he was just amazing he he, he was in amazement you wait this is New York you opened that hotel and so I was flown to New York once as part of the opening team and I was chosen as the opening team because I had worked very hard for the company I get there and the staff that was supposed to be there to help me with my particular department which by the way i ran a fine dining restaurant and i was sent there to run the employee cafeteria okay so you just did what was asked of you you didn't say well you know i'm a fine dining chef so i don't really do this no you go and you make food to nourish the staff while they're opening this hotel and so It just so happened that between breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it was about 800 people a day I had to feed and I had no cooks and I had no staff whatsoever. In fact, the whole department was me. And I found that out when I got to the hotel from the airport. Now you can either say, you know, in fact, I remember them giving me an option. You can go back home, you know, uh, or you can do it and make it happen in about a week. We should have some people here to help you. So I cooked for 800 people a day by myself. I slept two hours each night. I had it all down to a science so that I could be braising meat while I was sleeping those two hours. And I could come back down, plate breakfast, immediately go into lunch. And I had a plan. I had a strategy. And it was, I think it was the hardest thing I had ever done at that point, for sure. How old
0: were you at this point? But
1: I showed them uh, that was getting toward, you know, again, mid to late 20s. Okay. Um, I showed them a level of commitment. I made a couple mistakes one day. got the food up late, Uh, overslept for a morning lineup one time because I had only slept an hour and a half. And I was reprimanded. Right. They, you know, nobody wants to hear, well, you know, it's just me. And I, you know, I never said that I never entertained any of those excuses. I accepted responsibility that I was late for the meeting or that I was late coming downstairs. I, and you know, never once said, well, <laughs> I'm working harder than any of you never entertained it. I showed them cause they knew already. You don't have to tell them they already know. So I showed them a level of commitment that they probably maybe didn't even expect. I've seen those openings make or break people, and I made up my mind when I got on that plane that, that was going to make my career, not break it. But a couple of times, they offered me, you can go, we'll fly somebody else in, you don't have to stay. So, so it's almost like seal training or something, right? Like, uh, not to that extent, but they're always offering you the out. They're always giving you the opportunity to quit. So, and, uh, sorry. <laughs> I, I just wouldn't entertain it. So, what you
0: learned from this was, uh, what real commitment looked like for you. That was 22 hours of work a day, two hours of sleep, cooking for 800 people. That's ridiculous. And just no excuse to show up, do the work. And you knew that this was going to pay off some way, somehow. So, did it?
1: Absolutely. How? Well, it wasn't long after that. I, I doubled my salary. Okay. And it wasn't long after that that I was getting attention from uh, outside the company that people were coming to eat there because of my reputation. And then, and we should touch on reputation. I think that's very important as a chef. But uh, because of my reputation, people were coming from other hotels and other resorts. And suddenly then, I was getting attention from Relay and Chateau properties and um, Forbes five-star properties that wanted to take me awesome. operations. You got to give and, before you get is
0: what I'm getting from you. You, you really got to... Be- you got to put the work in and uh, there's a saying that keeps coming to mind listening to you talk and I'm sorry if I cut you short but it's I got to get this out before I forget and that is you yeah. got to live your life like no one else is willing to so you can live the rest of your life like no one else can and you know, you doubled your income. I mean, other people are living like you, but you're you're improving your life, and you still continue to to improve your life today. You're breaking on your own, owning your own restaurant, it, it takes time. You know, to to get the experience, to build that reputation, which is what we're about to talk about. I'm I'm assuming uh, before I cut you off. Was there something else you were
1: about to add? No, but when you say it takes time, you're correct. And so, to just have your eye on the prize. Like you hear a lot of people say, that's okay. But split that between seeing the prize and enjoying the journey. Like really, you hear people say that, but I I truly enjoyed that process. I was conscious of the fact that physically I might not be able to do this, but I'm pretty sure I can. I'm going to push myself physically harder than I ever have and mentally. And during that process, I'm going to see what I'm made of. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to enjoy this, even though it might hurt and be painful or break me down a little. Okay.
0: Let's dive so, into that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: So you want to enjoy what's happening no matter what it is. You know, if you start a job and you have to work the friars for, four months and you think you're above that you think you know what i'm way too good to be working these fires you know well then you're not really enjoying the journey are you? you know you're you'd be the best damn fry cook that there ever was you know enjoy the, the the mechanics of breading and frying in a way and make sure that it's super crispy each time you know each time and seasoned perfectly nobody does that anymore so there's the the, the the enjoyment of the process of of that you're going through during that sacrifice that you don't want to forget to do that. You don't want to just say, well, God, I can't wait to get through this so someday I can double my income, you know? <laughs> I didn't even know I was going to be doubling my income, by the way. It just happened.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I love what you're sharing with us right now. And there's something – sometimes I wonder um, – about the whole work-life balance thing, if that's a real thing or if we just, for me personally, I, I, I feel like it's almost, your make it your life's work. Uh, and then right. there, there is no work-life balance. You're living intentionally. Everything you do isn't a balance. It's what you do and, and you choose to love it. But that's the thing. Enjoying the journey is a choice. You get to choose whether or not you're going to enjoy it. You can be present in that moment and enjoy what you're doing you choose that that's a choice you make uh that's and, right and i mean i think it's it's like i think the saying is uh when you're in a situation where you might not feel like you're in the best situation because you're on the fryer or whatever instead of saying i have to do this like oh i have to do an interview today or oh i have to you know open the restaurant today say i get to I get to open the restaurant today. I get to work. the right. And it's just a little switch of just mindset and just being It's so powerful. Um, I'm so happy you went there. Thank you. Well,
1: I get to open this hotel in New York City that little did I know, but 15 years later would be showing my son Mm. something that I did Mm -hmm. and have him look up at me in amazement. You know, so yeah, you get to do these things. You know, I didn't have to do that; I, I got to do that. That's a great point. I love that mindset.
0: Beautiful, thank you. And uh, let's talk about reputation. So, how has your reputation? How I mean, we already kind of talked about building that reputation, doing the work, and just showing up harder and more often than everyone else. But why is that so powerful? That that reputation.
1: Well, it's it's everything, you know, or has been in my experience. So everyone says build your resume, and I'm sure. That, that works for some, but for me it was building my reputation. I almost got it I really believe that every opportunity that I've had has was there before I ever handed them a resume. It was all based on my reputation in the industry, not what I had written on paper. If you look at it on paper it looks pretty good too, but people would seek me out and call me for their projects or their hotels also when it came time for me to open my own restaurant and find money the money was there because of my reputation and my reputation was that of uh, a talented chef who can who can pack them in right i can pack in guests because the food there's such a focus to the attention to detail uh, That's part of my reputation. Also, part of my reputation is being able to run the business, understand the business and the financial portion of of operating a restaurant. And so when those things are part of your reputation, I didn't hand anyone a resume to get money to open Crawford and Son. You know, we sat down. uh, I didn't even really know some of the investors very well at all. They just dined at my restaurant. And we sat down and they said, okay, well, what, you know, what kind of restaurant do you want to do next? And, and well, well, all right, let's do, let's set up an account and let's get going. I mean, it really was that simple. Once you've built a reputation, things can happen like that. Mm-hmm. Don't build now, a reputation. not a, easy building build a
0: reputation is what I'm getting from you, but uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
1: No, you're, you're right. That's been my experience. Now it may be different for other people, you know. But building your reputation as a chef is much more powerful than just building a resume. Mm. All
0: right, so we got to. We're at the time of the interview. We're, we're really going to start diving into uh, what things led to your success, what led to you having the means to start your own restaurant. I think we're kind of right there right now. Unless, is there anything else? you think we need to discuss uh, as far as what contributed leading up to this point that you haven't touched on before we move on?
1: No. um, I think we can talk about, you know, what, what sort of happened next. And, you know, one thing I would say to young people is when you talk about balance, because you touched on that a little bit, something I recommend is that people explore maybe blending a little bit more than trying to balance. When you try to separate life and work, it often now in today's times becomes very difficult. And that's where people say, well, I can't balance my life and my work. But one thing that I've put into practice is blending that. And it took me really becoming my own boss to do this. But I hear this now coming up in conversation with a lot of people, uh, blending work and life, (laughs) instead of trying to balance them. For example, uh, when I travel now, and I travel quite a bit, I travel for charity, I travel for festivals, I travel to promote my restaurant to surrounding cities here in the Southeast region, and I I now take my family every time. Every single time I travel, I take them and they go with me. And we make it an adventure, and I work, and they explore the city, and then when I'm off, we spend time together. That's just one example. But it it works. It's working. We're spending more time together, and we're blending the two Um, instead of trying to juggle them all the time.
0: I'm laughing and I'm giggling over here because I got a lot of uh clout from my friends because uh, just the world of dating. Right. Uh They're like, Eric, like you're too picky. I'm like, I need to find somebody who is a marketing major <laughs> because, like, right? uh, Yeah. yeah like, exactly. I need like a, I'm, this, like that whole idea of blending, like, find surround yourself with other passionate people who have the same interest with you and I, I'm like I don't want to have to balance like I want my life to be restaurant unstoppable and I don't think I'm ever going to find somebody see? who's going to be okay with me I want somebody to a partner who's going to like you know take an interest in what I'm doing you know and be a part of it and blending Absolutely. The two. so that's why I'm giggling because I, I you get it
1: <laughs> right And, oh, and you awesome. know I see a lot of uh, younger people now starting to get that and it took me a long time, you know, all my generation, you heard of, well, you try to balance, but if you work in a restaurant or you're a chef, you're really not going to have any balance. So just get used to it. You know, and, you know, and I, yeah. you know, I challenge that. I, I challenge a lot of things now, Man. um, there's, I don't necessarily want the young people to come up the same way I did. I think there's a better way. You know, I, and I, one of those is, is is blending.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I really think that there's a societal issue where we're where we come up in the society within the past you know few decades of getting this idea of you go to school, you you learn a skill, then you get a job. And then you have a family. Right. But the whole idea is like, I mean, the whole idea of a job is kind of a new thing. The past, you know, couple uh, centuries really Uh, before that, you just, you had your role in society. Like you, you grew up, like you developed a skill, maybe apprenticing for somebody. And then you, that was your life. Your work was your life and there was no balance. You just, you just were who you were. And I feel like today there's an issue with thinking like there's a job and there's my life. There's a, there's a division between work right. and life. And I, I agree with you 100%. There, there needs to be, we need to fill the roles in, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of just babbling at this point. Well,
1: but, <laughs> no, no, you're making sense. If, if you're doing it right, if you're doing it right and you've found that passion and you've identified it and you've put the work in and enjoyed the journey and then met someone, you want to start a family, if you're doing it right, You love your work. So you don't wake up a zombie and dread going in every day and, you know, to your job so you can come home and have a honey-do list to do. And, you know, that to me is just not doing it right. Mm -hmm. When you love it, my wife works with me at the restaurant now. We didn't have to do that. It was a choice we made. I get to see her all day. Then she takes off to, to be with the kids in the evening. I never used to see her for 16 hours out of a day. I would not see her. I would see her one to two hours and then we would sleep. Now, if I want to joke with her or have a conversation with her, I just walk down the hall from the kitchen to the office. Mm -hmm. That's a choice we made. And she does a great job. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we argue and whatever, but we do that anyway. We're, We're husband and wife, you know, sometimes we disagree on work, but it's amazing. I love it. And again, we found a happiness that we never had before. And so that division does I can tell you from experience does not need to happen.
0: Mhm. Man, I'm loving this so, conversation. I'm looking down at the clock. I can't believe we're already almost at 50 minutes of recording time. Uh how are you on time? If we go over by 20 minutes is that going to be an issue? Do you have a hard stop?
1: Not an issue for me.
0: Okay, good. Because I think we might end up doing a longer than expected interview because I have a feeling uh, there's going to be some great stuff yet to, that we haven't even just touched on. So let's bring it back I to it. the topic of... Um, Okay, so you you've built this reputation, you're sitting down, you didn't even know who some of your uh your investors were. Uh let's take it from there. How did you get the initial capital to break out on your own? And actually let me bring it back even before that. Uh why did you want to break out on your own and what was your vision for what you wanted to create?
1: You know, you you reach a point, right? I think I did all of the things that were on my checklist, and some of those were you know, when I was younger, chasing those awards and getting those nominations and, you know, maybe not even for the right reasons, but it was fine. You know, it certainly doesn't hurt uh, to get awards. Although later, I think I discovered if you don't focus on them and you really your craft and then they just sort of come. And it's the same with Money, you know, and that's what I discovered later, but I wanted, I wanted to be recognized for my work. And so I did, you know, I went through a period where I was, I wanted only to be Forbes five-star, whatever I did. And so I ended up doing three restaurants that received the Forbes five-star rating, two of them from construction to five-star in a matter of, you know, 18 months to two years, you know, really pretty quickly and ambitious And so I woke up one day and, you know, I just realized it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. it became too much about the awards and not about the guests.
0: Mm.
1: It it became too much about luxury and not about uh, connecting with people. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But just one day I said, wow, I want to connect with my community. And part of that was finding a community in Raleigh, you know, being here and, and having, uh, raising my children here and feeling a part of a community, then, then things start to change in the way you view things. And I wanted to contribute to my community more and impact my community. When you spoke earlier about, you know, this is what I do. You know, I've, I've chose this, this is what I have to offer my community, my people here in my city, I can make a restaurant that they can come to often. I can make it affordable. I don't have to just see them on their anniversaries, uh, you know, once a year, twice a year. And I'm working in these luxurious restaurants, and they come, but they don't. They can't come often because it's too expensive. Mm. What if I make a neighborhood restaurant and cook food I really enjoy cooking, and I can impact my community with something really that they can come and dine often then it became more about doing something meaningful with all of the skills that I had acquired and so that was like a moment for me and and there was a nagging sort of uh, desire to to prove to myself that I can operate my own business that I can be an entrepreneur there's nothing more satisfying than doing what you love and turning a profit and I had been told that by a lot of my friends who made the leap. Uh, but there's a fear because I was highly paid in the Forbes five-star world and and I had a family to support. So now, you know, what do I do now? Mm. Uh,
0: it's kind of like you painted so yourself into a corner that, where you, you earned, you got to that place you were working your entire career to get to. But are you willing to take the the, the change in lifestyle to to? to chase the impact exactly. to chase the, the exactly, you know, you, you feel the, the monetary and all the other, I guess the, 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 tangibles in your life, but you were still missing the intangible. Right, man,
1: that's tough. So I went back to my old mantra. I went back to no excuses. Uh, you know, I knew that I could do it. I had to make a few adjustments and it really was that simple. It wasn't a lot of adjustments, but I had to make a few. I had to make a few adjustments with how I supported my family. None of us went without anything that we needed. And, you know, it was a short time later. um, We're looking at P&Ls and we're making more money than we were then. Wow. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to encourage people who might be listening to this, that, uh, Again, I just didn't entertain the excuses, the excuse of, "Oh, well, you know, I have a family now. I I just I can't do it. You know, I'm going to have to stick with hotels and and that's that." Well, I would not have been satisfied. I slowly would have become that zombie. Mm-hmm. I know that. And so, I didn't entertain the excuses. I made the adjustments. I had the support of my wife. That's important. You can't just do you can't just go rogue on your marriage, mm-hmm. you know. You have to Get your, your spouse behind. And she encouraged me even when I had was, you know, crippling self-doubt. She was there to say, no way you got this. And so that's important. It's important to have your family behind you if you're looking at something that that affects them.
0: So I feel like we've covered a lot of the why up to this point, but let's talk about the how, how did you pull it off? Yeah. How did you make that pivot, that transition?
1: Well, first of all, my first project was with a partner, and it was a short-lived, almost a false start to my entrepreneurial life. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, It was a quick, easy way. Okay, I have someone. It's a developer. They have money. Let's do it. We'll open this thing. I'll get a small percentage. Yes, I'm an owner, but I didn't really truly own anything. And so I had to learn that lesson and I learned it very quickly. In about 18 months, I realized I needed to dissolve that partnership and I needed to really, I needed to be principal. That's what the deal was for me. I don't know why I didn't do it the first time, but I gained a lot of experience through that false start, if you will, that allowed me to understand how to structure a deal and how to uh, put a business plan together that can that you can present to some investors that will say, Hey, I want you to put up all the money, but I'm going to own the place.
0: Okay. So let's really and, dive into and get specific. The first partnership, he was a developer. She was a developer. Didn't work because they were putting up all the money and you're kind of almost working for them, like kind of sort of as a partner, but well, you weren't making the decisions.
1: Yeah. You know, without getting into the nitty gritty too much, partnerships are very, very difficult. Mm hmm and we we they can be magical they can be amazing and they can be really really difficult when you get in one that turns you know to a point that would be considered almost toxic well you know then you i recognized i i couldn't do that
0: mm-hmm. um, so what was the lesson so was, uh, what was the lesson specifically about this what did you do wrong about this specifically
1: the yeah. i took the easy route again i just found someone else who said, well, basically, I was still an employee of that person or or their their company. And to me, I was transitioning from hotels to being an entrepreneur, but I only owned 20% of the business. So I didn't make any of the decisions, Mm -hmm. basically. I could only try to influence those decisions. And so when poor decisions were being made, ones that I knew would affect the business, I couldn't do anything about it. And that's not being an entrepreneur, really. That's still being someone's employee. Mm -hmm. At least in my mind, that's the way I viewed it.
0: So hindsight being twenty twenty, but what's ideal in a situation with a partnership?
1: So uh, some of my the most successful partnerships I know are a front of house person and a back of house person. (laughs) Yeah, partnering up,
0: skin of the game, and (laughs) And making a restaurant exactly knowing your lane and finding those who have the same values that you have, the same vision that you have, but different strengths.
1: Values though, values, but different strengths. Absolutely, awesome. You've got to have the same values, and you have to be in it for similar reasons. I think you know. Um, but you know, if you really want it to be yours then find a way, you know, find a way. Uh, one thing that I did in that partnership was I packed that restaurant out and we were very, very successful with top line revenue. I mean, just beyond our wildest dreams. Well, that showed people within the community that I live in that I, I don't need to be under the umbrella of a hotel to succeed. So, Chef, there were lots of lessons that I learned. I'm going to
0: show my but, ignorance here, uh, which is why I'm a good host, because I'm not a- afraid to say when I don't know what the hell someone's talking about. Uh, what's top line uh, revenue?
1: <laughs> well, we were packed every night. That's okay. what top line revenue okay. is. We were busy. I mean, really busy. Um, we were doing. So basically things. making I mean, as much shoot.
0: as you can, because any you can't afford, you can't, you can't make any more because you don't
1: have the space right there just wasn't any seats available tuesday through saturday every single night and so when investors or potential investors were coming in and eating they were looking around going wow look at this there's no other restaurants in town busy on a tuesday night what's this guy doing then they have the food they experience the the restaurant they go oh wow okay they're he's on to something here so when i decided that that was a toxic environment, eventually, one that I could no longer work in, you know, again, I was faced with, well, what am I going to do now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I have no plan, but I know I need to get out of this. It's not working. And what's the community going to think of me now? And just all that fear, you know, that fear, self-doubt, it haunts everyone, I think, for at least a minute. Some of it's healthy, some of it's not. But I said, all right, well, No big deal. And I think being an entrepreneur, you have to roll with it. Mm -hmm. You have to say, all right, well, that didn't work, but the next one's going to because I'm going to be principal this time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be principal and I'm going to find investors who believe in that one vision idea, the one vision value system where, hey, this is a chef driven restaurant and we'll make it the foundation for possibly a group that could grow. But this one here, this is the foundation. This is the anchor restaurant. And so we will h- allow it to be one vision. I found two private lenders and a, a minority equity partner. So he's a brilliant businessman. I'm able to call him and use him as a resource all the time, a sounding board. He's become a very good friend, a trusted friend. But he he doesn't come and tell me what to cook or how to change the menu or how to promote the restaurant or how to be a chef. He just doesn't do that. And, uh, it's worked. So what it's does worked he do really well? Well, he put up money Okay. and believed in me. He okay. put up money. He believed in me. And for example, this morning I had a call with him discussing, uh, you know, our accounting for taxes and, um, He's a good advisor on things just relating to business. Mm -hmm. He also loves food Mm -hmm. and wine. So he comes and he dines and we're friends and he brings a lot of people into the restaurant, but he just lets me do what I do. So did you create an
0: operational agreement? Is there something on paper spelling out the arrangement you have?
1: We did. Yeah. Um, When you start with some of those things, right, because a lot of people and myself included, they say, well, where where do I even start? Right. I think it all starts with a business plan. What kind of restaurant are you going to do? What kind of revenue do you anticipate you're going to do and what uh, kind of money are you going to put to the bottom line? That's what investors want to know. It's really that simple. You can write a 60 page business plan, but they're only going to read 10 of them, maybe eight of them. And so I found someone who could help me with the business plan uh, for cheap because they can get very expensive, but I knew that I wanted to focus on only a few pages and I put this thing together and I started just giving it to people who expressed interest maybe, or that I knew had uh, an interest in improving our community or, or creating something for our community. And it wasn't long before I really had to sort of decide which investors to go with. It wasn't a matter of how am I going to find investors. It was, I have 10 here and I only need three. So which will be most attractive for the deal I want to put together? And you know, which ones do I think will be the the best to work with? That's valuable
0: right there. Uh, I feel like that's a situation that doesn't come up too often. It's a, a good problem to have too many investors.
1: Reputation. <laughs> yeah. It awesome. comes up if you've built a reputation and you and you do the right things for the right reasons.
0: Mm. Man. There's still I feel like so much we haven't discussed. Uh we're already at an hour <laughs> and five minutes. And man, would you be open to uh, a follow up interview to covers like more present day situations and how you're running
1: your business today? I'd love to. Okay. One of the things that I'm passionate about is helping young entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs. I really had to figure a lot of this out myself. I would have enjoyed an interview like this where someone was sharing knowledge. I called friends of mine. I called people that I knew who had been successful and they shared some of their knowledge. They helped me get over a hump or or climb over a wall that I was hitting. And I need to pay that forward. I'm happy to do that. So, oh, you name the time, and, and <laughs> I'm happy to.
0: Because I feel like uh, just doing the research on you, uh, your values, sticking to your values. There's a great story of you uh, returning away a critic because of the the values that person have and how you didn't really agree with those values. And I mean, there's just so much you got going on. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. once a month, I think you have a, a masseuse come in and take care of your your employees uh you you straighten them up and i mean there's just so much we didn't get to talk about i think we could easily get in like another 40 minutes out of a a conversation sure um
1: so i'd love to get into some of that stuff
0: (laughs) oh man so i think this is a good stopping point to to take a break to thank our sponsors and we're going to come back and just bust out a a quick speed round uh and then we'll make sure that we maybe we can do it this soon so the two of these can uh, kind of flow into each other but uh we'll be right back So we're going to take a quick break here. Nobody likes doing paperwork. If you have a growing group of restaurants and find yourself wishing you could snap your fingers and have all of your invoices and AP instantly disappear from your plate, then you need to call Sorcery. Sorcery is used to make owning and operating a restaurant a breeze. Instead of dreading invoices, you'll be delighted to be synced with every vendor. With your new relationships, you can work on negotiating the best price to improve your margins and Sorcery's biggest superpower is that they watch the prices you pay across the kitchen from dry goods to proteins to produce. And when citrus skyrockets, you'll know to update your recipes before you end up kicking yourself at the end of the quarter. To learn more, head over to www.getsorcery.com or find the banner In the show notes, if you mention restaurant unstoppable at checkout, you'll get your first month free. Yep. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes top 100 company twice in a row. Check out cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. We're back and the first question I have for you, chef, is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. Lead by example. Lead by example. Beautiful. What is your biggest weakness? Paperwork. And how are you (laughs) dealing with that? What have you done to what's first It's great that you recognize your weakness. How do you compensate for it?
1: Delegate. (laughs) (laughs) Delegation is very important. You find people who are strong in the the areas that you are weak in. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with good people.
0: Awesome. And what about, uh, are these people who have the skills already or are you creating the systems and the processes and plugging people into those?
1: Maybe a little of both. Okay. Uh, I hire people that I think have great organizational skills and then maybe guide them in the way that I would like it to be organized. Okay. But for example, recipes, I don't like writing recipes. I don't mm-hmm. like writing things down. I just don't. It's not the way I cook, but we need to, mm-hmm. right? We have to, to make sure that our team's successful. So, so I-, I have Someone on my team who's very good at that. They like doing it. And so together we've worked out a system on how we can document those recipes, file them, have them when we need them. And it's, it's working great. It's a now, collaboration.
0: Are you leveraging technology or are you doing it the old fashioned
1: way with paper and pen and just. No, we're leveraging technology for sure.
0: And what technology are you leveraging?
1: Well, just the way we file these. I mean, you know, we have, uh, uh I mean, we use our, our, smartphones to document them. (laughs) We, you know, download them through notes into our uh, laptop. The laptop eventually makes its way into a format that's consistent. And then it goes into a, uh, uh, you know, onto a, a memory stick or some sort of external hard drives so that we don't bog down our computers.
0: So are you using like word or Excel or are you using a, an app like Evernote to file these? Or is there a tool, like a, a, a platform that these recipes are on or?
1: Yeah. Evernote is exactly what we use. Beautiful.
0: Cool. And how, how is that impacted? I mean, I'm just, I'm pulling back layers here. It's what I do. Uh, why sure. did you choose that? Well, Evernote? no,
1: it's uh, just because it's something that we all had on our phones. And mm-hmm. when we're, when we're cooking, you know, everything's moving fast, and it's my weakness to actually stop for a moment and document it. So I have someone in my kitchen who says, "Hey, wait, let's uh, let's look at that," and then we'll we can act quickly with that app, and we can get it documented. You know, there's a step right there. We need to document that because the last time he made it wasn't right because he missed that step. Mm-hmm. Things like that it's uh, technology can be a great tool in teaching that way. Now I'm a little bit old school and a little bit new school. I buy into technology, but sometimes these younger guys are a lot better at operating it. Mm -hmm. So, so
0: to bring it back to the surface, we kind of went a little bit deep there. Uh, what is your biggest weakness paperwork and to compensate for your weaknesses, use people who are strong where you're weak and leverage tools and systems to, uh, I guess, make up for it is what I got from that.
1: Yeah, and you're using that now. Right. I'll
0: link to that in the show notes. This is episode 388. Head over to slash 388 to check out the notes and the tools recommended. Uh, all right, so what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? And I think I know the answer already.
1: One piece of advice I have for leading others? Yeah. Well, I think doing the right things for the right reasons. I'm not sure if that's what you were thinking. but Well, you said your
0: skill was leading by example.
1: (laughs) Right. Leading by example falls under that, I think. Doing the right things for the right reasons. Don't ask people to do things that you're not willing to do or willing to get in there and show them how to do. I still wash dishes in my restaurant almost every day. I do it for about an hour because we bring the dishwasher in a little later. There's a lot of things that are stacking up from the, the daytime prep. And I get in there and I do it. What does
0: that act communicate to your team?
1: It communicates that I, you know, that's where uh, I'm not going to ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. I also do it really well and show them how they can keep it clean and organized. And you get not just tell them all the time. hey. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. No, you, you can go and say, hey, you know, your station should be cleaner or you can run a station and show them how you run it clean. Yep. And that's a real opportunity for a leader to do that.
0: Yeah. I think it kind of brings us back to what we were talking about earlier, which is you get to do it. you don't have to do it, but you get to do it and you get to do it really well. And you get to show people that there's ways to to fine tune your craft. Even if it is washing dishes, like you get to do it and you get to bring it up a level every day. I love it. Absolutely. Awesome. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team during the
1: interview process? trying to think if there's a real consistent question or what one quality The you're question. For, the, okay. One question that I ask consistently front of house or back of house is, are you in this industry for a career or for temporary uh, income, quick income? And especially as it relates to front of house, because uh, my best work was done once I, realized that that was my career. Mm. And I don't necessarily, it's not a deal breaker for me, but it's good for me to know that going in, because when I hire people, I'm looking, I'm already trying to think of how they can impact our team long-term. Mm-hmm. So if I know that they're coming in and they're just going to you know, be a server for a few, couple of years, and then they'll probably move on to something else because they graduate with a psychology degree or whatever, I know that, and I know how to plan for them. I'm not just hiring a body, I'm hiring a, a team member and I'm gonna start to devise a plan for them, for their growth while they work for us. Uh, nice. If I know that it's their career, then I'm probably gonna start to devise that plan a little differently. And and they're probably more likely to get a position in my team if they're coming in wanting a uh, this job for their career and not just for a job.
0: Awesome, what is your current challenge today?
1: Uh, everyone will tell you the same thing. The current challenge is uh, personnel. you know, finding good people uh, who want to come in and stick with you long term and grow and and help grow the company and be fulfilled. And I just think. You know, you can do, there's a lot of argument back and forth about what it is. You know, is it a generation? Is it this or is it that? I think there are a lot more great restaurants out there than there used to be. Mm -hmm. And so there are a lot more options. I just think there are a lot more options. So we have to figure out ways that we can make our option more attractive, I think. Yeah. Or find the people who are looking for what it is that we have to offer. But it's a challenge. There's no doubt about it.
0: Awesome. Now, how are you dealing with that challenge?
1: Well, we choose carefully. Uh, you know, I think that's, we enough. don't want to put someone in a, I think
0: it's enough. Yeah. I think carefully. Yep. Uh, <laughs> share one code of conduct or a behavior or maybe a value. You teach your team.
1: Respect. You know we're big on respect, respecting each other, and uh, I mean, you know I learned something from the from the Ritz Carlton was uh, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. That was their philosophy, and so it, it just think about how empowering that is. You're not you're working for a company that views you as lady gentlemen ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, not. Servants serving wealthy people. You know, it was such an empowering statement mm. and it, it made, it, it lifted up people immediately, uh, from just the bridge Carlton's view of the service industry. Mm-hmm. I love it. And so it's still, it's still in my head every single day. Beautiful. We respect each other and we get it in return.
0: Awesome. What is one book that is a must read to make us either a better person or a better restaurant owner?
1: Well, I think, uh, Stephen Covey's, um, seven habits of highly successful people was a game changer for me. I still talk about that book. I still quote from that book. I think it's a must read.
0: Absolutely. And which is, which was the, the, the most influential habit you grab from that book?
1: Um, Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Beautiful.
0: And I think that, do you want to dive into that lesson real quick? Why that was valuable for you? Yeah.
1: Well, especially when it comes to relationships, you know, if you're working on a relationship with someone that you work with or that you, are uh, dependent on to to create um, and you're having some conflict or you're or you're not getting the most out of that relationship if you really seek first to understand where they're coming from and then for them to understand where you're coming from but give them the the opportunity first it's easier said than done because most of the time we listen with the intention to uh, respond, mm-hmm. not listening with the intent to hear. And right.
0: understand? absolutely. Yeah.
1: And understand. And so, you know, if you can, that was a really, really valuable thing I learned from that book. When I put that into practice, it was amazing.
0: Absolutely. And just empathy. I mean, that's empathy right there. just really learning right. to understand. Empathy. And that alone, a lesson in empathy. I mean, I need to get like an expert in empathy on the show. <laughs> Cause that's a, that would be an incredible conversation. Absolutely,
1: uh, Beautiful. So what, you, you know, it, it has a great place in business. Mm-hmm. Empathy has a great place in business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't Absolutely. all have to be sharks. Absolutely. <laughs> uh,
0: what is one technology you've recently adopted in your restaurant that has improved uh, communication, efficiency, productivity, profitability, that just has you really excited that you'd want to share with us right now? Uh,
1: well, I think the, The POS system with all of the apps that are available to us now. So we're just learning to run everything from our smartphones recently. Okay. That means our sales reports, our payroll. You know, these are things that I can wake up in the morning, sit at my table, have coffee, and look at all of that uh, from my phone. Um, Also, the reservation system that we use. Uh, has an app, so these technologies, these apps for uh, what I'm talking about, are not necessarily new, but they're new to me. Typically, I would come into work and I would use you know whatever desktop or things of that nature. Now I just can do it remotely. I can do it while I'm traveling. I can do it while I'm sitting at my table in the morning. So I have a snapshot of what I'm looking at when I come in and. It's it's a game changer for me,
0: Chef Scott. You know I'm not going to let you get away with just saying my POS system
1: and my reservation. Get specific. Uh, what what POS? <laughs> well, did you NCR choose N- Okay. The POS system that we chose is NCR, and they have a great app, and it's very affordable, and they they have great reporting that you can set up. So, and OpenTable is currently our reservation system, okay. and they also have a great app. And I get a lot of texts from friends, from VIPs, from people, and I'm in. Nashville doing a dinner and someone's texting me saying, I need to get into your restaurant tomorrow night. And, you know, I can do it all on the app within a few minutes and send them a confirmation. Okay. So we're used to be, I'd have to pick up, call my GM, call a couple of people, get it all worked out. Now I just, pull up the app and, and handle it and send them a confirmation.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of people that like when OpenTable was first coming out, they didn't like the idea of that process being automated because that's where they shine during that moment of making the reservation and having that high touch, high personal. Sure. But the truth is a lot of people today are, if we're being hospitable, if we're providing good service, they want that option. They want to be able to Absolutely. make it seamless. So you, in return, are being hospitable. You're caring. You're providing that service to them by making it an option. Some people, if they want, they'll call. They'll pick up the phone. They'll make a reservation. Exactly,
1: and they still do that and, too. Yeah, exactly. we have. Yep. You know that yep. option as well, and yep. and they want that human interaction. Great, but you're right. There's a larger, larger percentage now. Uh, they, they they would just rather not have that interaction. Just be done with it. So be simple and quick.
0: You mentioned NCR. That's Aloha, correct? That's correct. And uh, are you using, uh, anything in conjunction with Aloha, like Upserve, uh, to get that data, to get th- that reporting th- through the app?
1: Not at this time, but that's the next step.
0: Oh, we should talk after the recording. Cause uh, that would be interesting. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time and give your past self one piece of business advice, one thing to leave the past version of yourself better back then to help fast track where you are today, what would that one piece of advice be if you could give it to yourself?
1: Well, for me personally, it would be to take better care of myself physically and mentally. I tore myself down during some of those years pretty badly.
0: 22 hours a day, I'm I'm not
1: surprised. Well, that was for a short time there. And and there's, there's things that you can do to counter that. If you're working that hard physically, then you need to invest in your body. And you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And that's something I didn't do. And I do regret that. I wish I would have taken better care of myself. But now I... You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I didn't know that I was going to start to fall apart. <laughs> I thought I was invincible, like most young people. So aside, and we're not we're not invincible.
0: So I'm assuming eat better and treat yourself better. What are some things you started doing? Like two things, not don't get too much detail, but two things you started doing differently to take care of yourself.
1: Well, for me personally, I started doing chiropractic. Kitchen posture is very bad, and unfortunately, it caused some pretty bad. Uh, repetitive injuries for me. And so I found chiropractic and uh, certain exercise and it's worked for me. It's helped me avoid surgery and other things. And uh, I probably just would have started that earlier had I known, started looking at that. Well, wow, you, you know what? That is really bad posture. You probably will have neck issues after 20 years, maybe I can teach these younger guys and ladies to be a little bit more proactive yeah. about if this is something I'm trying to do as a leader.
0: If, if I, there's going to be some kind of yoga instructor out there that hasn't carved out the restaurant tour niche yet that they like do immediate like they, they have a class every Monday <laughs> like where everybody's available in the restaurant right. and just do like special like right. restaurant posture well, moves
1: or something. <laughs> it's interesting you say that I have a, a, a yoga instructor who reached out to me and has offered that sort of service. So oh, service. So we're in the process of trying to establish what that looks like. We do chiropractic here in the restaurant
0: and we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, I feel for like,
1: those, who, I feel, Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get
0: into that because we've already decided that we're going to pick up this conversation and keep going because you just have so much sure. value to offer And um, I mean, this one, I don't know if I can, should even ask this question because we're going to talk again, but was there anything we didn't get to discuss that you were hoping we would have discussed up to this point? Maybe give me some things you hope to discuss when you come back on, hopefully real soon.
1: Well, yeah, I'd like to discuss uh, when we come when I come back on some of the things. Like when you asked me that question, well, what would you do differently? Well, instead of just talking about those things, I made a list of those things, and I am doing those. I'm trying to oh, make man, it this different. This is going to be good. <laughs> I'm pumped. <laughs> now you want to talk about impact, right? I want to impact my industry. I want to oh, yes. leave it better than I found it. I want to leave it better than I found it. And so the things that I did not like about my industry, the things that may have been detrimental to me, I want to change that for the people coming up. And I think they're demanding change as they should chef Crawford. Those are things I'd love to talk about.
0: (laughs) You got me chomping at the bit right now. I cannot wait to get you back on. Uh, We'll figure that out as soon as we stop the recording. But uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on uh, and sharing your story up to this point and just being an example of what it means to give before you get to uh, there's just so much recovered. I'm looking at my notes right now and there's like, it's such, it's just like a black page and it's hard for me to pull out like the little nuggets. Uh, you know, just, you're just doing the work, you know, and reputation over resume or just a few of these other little things that came up. It was just an honor. uh making an example of you up to this point. We'll have you back on the show real soon. The value of relationships. That's the other one I was looking for valuing relationships. Uh, just awesome stuff, man. Uh, there is no questioning You are unstoppable. And before I let you go, we got to just find out. I make everybody do this. I know what? No, we'll have you call somebody out the next time you come back on. Uh, I mean, let's call somebody out, but do let us know how we can connect. If we want to follow you on social media, Uh, maybe come work for you. Maybe we're listening to this and we want to join your team. What's the best way to connect?
1: Sure. Um, At chef Scott Crawford, Twitter, Instagram, um And then of course, uh, Crawford and son restaurant.com. All right, beautiful That's Again, our website.
0: This is episode three eighty eight head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash three eighty-eight for a summary of today's discussion. Right there, links to the products and services that were recommended, the books that are recommended, uh Seven Habits of Highly Affected People. That's also an Audible uh that book, I have that in audio. It's a great audio book. You can get that book for free if you're not already an um, Audible uh, member head over to restaurant unstoppable dot or sorry uh, audible com slash unstoppable to get a free book today and chef uh i can't wait to talk to you again hopefully real soon um man i i guess thank you i don't i don't know this is going to my, my normal flow uh but yeah it was an honor well i guess we'll just we'll cut it there
1: well thank you i appreciate <laughs> you having me on i look forward to talking with you again
0: hopefully soon all right cheers So I'm pretty sure there's no one out there listening to this right now thinking to themselves, well, that sucked because that was awesome. Uh, Man, I really enjoyed this conversation with Chef Scott Crawford so much so that immediately after finishing the recording, we set up a time to uh, get him back on the show. And he's going to be tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but uh, whatever. This is going to be going live on Friday so he'll be Monday's episode. He's coming back on the show and uh he's got some additional great content uh before we wrapped up he had mentioned that he's going to share the list of things that he would have done differently when opening a restaurant. He's actually going to go over that list with us guys. This is going to be awesome. So uh do tune in for that and man, I feel like the show just keeps getting better and better, which blows my mind because whenever I'm talking to my guests like I it, that feeling of it just improving hasn't stopped, but I feel like everybody has just contributed so much great value. Uh, it's not to say that my guests today are better than my guests than yesterday, but man, there's just always new angles and ways to, uh, just, I guess apply the things we've learned on the show and they come out through these stories and I hope you're finding value. Uh, great conversation today with Scott and all right. Like always guys, shoot me an email, Eric at restaurants, Find me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. Let me know who you want to hear from. Who can we learn for, guys? I'm, or learn for, learn from. I'm always looking for the next guest to make an example of, and maybe. Come at me with your challenges, your questions, because I might not have the answers, but I guarantee you I know somebody who does. I mean, I'm here to learn just like you. Uh, We have this platform. We can put people on it to share their knowledge. I need your help. Uh, Keep those uh, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. I've got 103 at the the time of this recording. Uh, Let's make it 110. Uh, Those reviews help so much, guys, and uh, it it just validates... My hard work here, but the best compliment the way you can support the show the most is by just recommending it to a friend. Find a friend today, recommend this podcast. Anybody aspiring to do great things in the hospitality industry, this podcast is for them. And always looking for any support you have, you can head over to slash support to make any small donation, and everything, every little bit of it uh, is appreciated. So, all right, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. And until next time, peace out.